Welcome to Encore Nutrition, two peas in a podcast, a show that simplifies the overwhelming world of health and nutrition with evidence-based science. We're Elise and Lauren, your accredited practicing dietitians, empowering you with the knowledge and strategies to make real change today. And I'm Drew, here to make sure all your important questions are answered. This week, we'll find out if we should eat or drink our greens, the bee's knees of cheese, and a reason to get off the scales. So my boyfriend was cleaning out his pantry when he was moving out of his last place um, and found a container of greens powder, which he proceeded to ask me, should I use this or do you think I should throw it out? (laughs) You're with a dietitian now, buddy. You don't need it. (laughs) So look, I gave him the short answer, but I thought our listeners would appreciate the long story to, to better understand if we need these products. So thanks to Matt for prompting this discussion. I hope it ended up in the bin, Matt. Or maybe yeah. it was past its use-by date. Let, we'll get, we're about to go into that. <laughs> so, I mean, look, what I find so sad is that not too long ago, we relied solely on real foods to obtain nutrients to help our bodies function efficiently. And these days, if you wander through the aisles of the supermarket, the pharmacy or the local health food store, you'll see an array of different greens powder products. And many of them which claim that you can get all of your daily fruit and vegetable goodness from a mere few scoops of powder. Sounds too good to be true, doesn't it, Loz? Mm, certainly does. Yep. So, look, these greens powder supplements usually do contain a number of different plant-based products, um, which can range from spinach, kale, spirulina, corolla, wheatgrass. And I, look, I could keep going forever. What's important to note is that each product will vary in their ingredients, but also their concentration of these products. And essentially, these plants are processed and ground into a powder form where they can be packaged and have a long shelf life and sold to consumers. Mm. So just convenient really. Yeah, essentially. So as it stands, there's actually only a couple of studies which looks at the impact of greens powder on our health. What we do know is that they often contain really high doses of antioxidants and the science tells us that antioxidants present in fruit and vegetables are actually really good for our health. Mm. But when it does come to green powder, the answer, unfortunately, isn't so simple. So what I thought we would do is, look, I only did find three studies and I'm going to go through them quite briefly. We do have a blog on this topic if you are interested in more information. One study I looked at looked at 10 healthy subjects. (laughs) Why are you laughing, Loz? Because, like, I could do that at family dinner. I know. (laughs) So FYI to anyone, this is a really, really small sample size, hence why Loz is having a good chuckle. And these people supplemented with three to six teaspoons of green powder over a four-week period. The participants did see a reduction in oxidation, which we know is linked to tissue damage, ageing and also chronic disease risk. Um, And the study did claim that the greens powder may had, and the study showed that the greens powder may have played a role in reducing the risk of chronic diseases. Hmm. However, with a sample size of 10. N equals 10. (laughs) We can't really make such claims. Yeah. Why this study was also really poor is that it didn't account for other lifestyle factors, including exercise, exercise and diet, which we know plays a huge, um, Wait, huge so they impact. Didn't account for diet. Nah, 
No, ah. they just looked so at the, the greens powder. So the only difference was the greens. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. And also the gre- the amount of the greens powder that they had wasn't controlled. So three to six teaspoons mm. is quite different. So yeah. how much do you actually need? Do you need three or do you need six? I reckon the manufacturer is going to say six. Yeah, probably so that they can sell more <laughs> products. Twice as much. <laughs> Look, another study that I found looked at 40 people over a 90-day period who had mm-hmm. high blood pressure um, and they did this time have a controlled amount of greens powder, so three teaspoons of the powder. And whilst these participants did see a slight decrease in their blood pressure, again, the researchers failed to account for diet, weight, exercise and stress levels. Mm all of which we know have a huge impact on our blood pressure. And what do you think? Is there going to be more research coming out? Because I suspect that, you know, if these products have a place in the market and they're actually viable financially, surely there'll be some funding. Look, there hasn't been a huge amount of data that's been published. I could only find three really poorly conducted Mm. studies, which... And I guess it'll be interesting because more might come out, yep. but we'll have to be very aware of bias and conflict of interest and funding models where that science has actually come from. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And as it stands, the literature uh, doesn't support the use of these greens powder. So um, is it just pure convenience then? Is I'm travelling, I can't make a smoothie, you know, mm, what's yeah, the plan? Yeah, or, you know, well, when I can't in, be bothered eating yeah. fruit and vegetables or a lot of people do claim that, eating fruit and vegetables is really expensive. Yep. So, look, there's a number of different reasons why these sort of products are marketed to the public. <coughs> Some of the other claims that are on the front of these packaging, which I find really interesting, is that uh, the powders detoxify the body, they can boost your immune system and help with digestion. And one thing I want to harp on to our listeners about is that any product that claims to detoxify or cl- cleanse our body is likely to be a bit of BS. Mm. Isn't that essentially just the, the catch-all for antioxidants? That's that's the Well, know, antioxidants yeah. are amazing. Yeah. We know that. So and, they, they and have they can the, you know, the A words in there, right? Yeah, so for they're sure. good for you. Yeah. So it can reduce ageing and neutralise yeah. free radicals and yeah. reduce your risk of X, Y, Z disease because it's high in antioxidants. Mm. But so is fruit and vegetables. Yeah. So so school's out. We're not sure if there's, there's not enough studies been done to mm. benefit. Um, yeah. If I'm not, for whatever reason, say I'm too busy, yeah. is it better that I do this rather than not doing anything at all, rather than not eating greens at all? Is there any value at all? I would say so. I mean, yep. if you would, if you knew you were travelling in a barren zone where you could yep. only get yak meat and yak butter, and I'm mm-hmm. speaking from experience when I was in Tibet, <laughs> yep. I would have loved to have, you know, yep. the access to some antioxidants. Yeah. Well, Ideally I in a natural state. I greens travelling too, right, because the water, you're not sure if it's going to clean, you know, yeah. you get a bit funny about it. Yeah. yeah. Look, yeah. there might be very small pockets of scenarios where it's useful, but it's never going to be better no. than the whole produce. And also right. what we know is that if you're taking a powdered supplement in lieu of eating fruit, fruits and vegetables, you're missing out on a lot of those really useful fibres. Mm. So those prebiotic fibres in the fruits and vegetables that help to nourish our gut bacteria, help with digestion and can also prevent the onset of colorectal cancer. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not definitely a not a swap. Yeah. yeah. And what about the cost? Because I said, uh, you know, I, I know that they're reasonably expensive. And if the argument is that you can meet your antioxidant need, in a cheaper way from the powder, like where's yeah. that at? So look, the average cost of fruit and vegetables per week for a Melbourneian, so 
we live in Melbourne here, so we're gonna I'm gonna use these figures, is $29.25. And if you were to eat heaps and heaps of plants, so let's say we round that up to about $40 per week. I was looking online and a lot of the greens powders, and while whilst price will vary, many of them were upwards of $70 and some were even $150. And uh, because of the serving sizes that the amount that you need, mm. often they'll only last maybe two weeks. So, so you're having it every day. It's exactly. Not worth it. Exactly. And, and you also, you'll you'll still need to go to the you supermarket. You have to go buy fiber as exactly. well because you're missing all your fiber. Yeah. Exactly. Or so laxatives because <laughs> you're, you're not getting, getting any fiber. fiber. <laughs> yeah. So look, from a cost perspective, um, yeah, you've, I would say you've debunked that. Yes. Have you? Okay. Go and that's, that's and always in Aussie dollars. So if you're American and you're listening to the show, because we know you're out there, oh, yeah. it's even cheaper again. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's right. And she rounded yeah. up like almost double. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, because yeah. we want you guys to eat um, all those fruits and vegetables. But I guess with, you know, with any supplement, it's mm. often convenience. Mm. You know, so it's. Yeah. There is value in the convenience factor, yeah. but it shouldn't become the, the way that you get greens. And look, I it think we're fortunate, right. yeah, we're okay. fortunate in today's you know day and age where we do have access to a wide variety of fruits and vegetables. So really there would be very isolated scenarios where you don't have any access, like when Lauren was in Tibet. Mm. I would say that for mm. most people, those scenarios would be really rare. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm just thinking about my through my own life, I've got some there and it's, I go there if it's just for whatever, like a once off. It's like this, mm. this week I've done a lot of travel or I just have got weird sleeping patterns and I just One go, you know what, I'm just gonna, yeah, grab it just, just to, as a coverall and mm. then go back into my regular yeah. routine. Right? Yeah. And if we've got any listeners who they have or their, their families are actively going through any sort of cancer treatment, it's important that we do avoid a high antioxidant load mm. and green powders can contribute that. So. Right. Like it's a bit of a contraindication. It's, it's, dense, like it's a concentrated yeah. dose of this yeah. stuff, right? And yeah. it's very hard to overdo your antioxidant load when you're eating fresh fruit and vegetables. <clears throat> yep. It's very easy to do it when you start putting six, seven, eight teaspoons of powder in a smoothie. Mm. Got it. And as well, a lot of the claims, as I was saying before, our some <clears throat> of the other claims about detoxification and helping with cleansing our body, we're so fortunate that our liver and kidneys do that job for us. We actually don't even need to try. So don't fall for some of that fa- fancy marketing that it can detoxify the liver or it can, you know, help with digestion. Um, really be um, critical when you skeptical. see and skeptical when mm. you see that sort of marketing. I think that's a running theme with our supplementation advice. It's never going to beat Whole Foods, yeah. Um, yeah. but use it as a as a. A, a helpful moment as opposed to a, mm. a strict protocol. Yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. not a swap. Talk to me about cheese though, because big fan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> huge fan. Is that we can talk a about cheese all day. <laughs> <laughs> if it is, we endorse it. <laughs> yeah, no. Right. Look, we are big fans of cheese, and um, we, we often. I think when I'm practicing in clinic, in particular, a lot of my patients and clients will say, oh, you know, I have cheese, but just a little bit, you know, just a small amount. And they kind of underplay their cheese really knowing defensive. that they love it, but also they, they're quite, um, they think that they perhaps should be avoiding it or limiting their intake of cheese. And so one thing we wanted to celebrate on today's episode is um, our favourite cheeses or the bee's knees of cheese. The bee's knees I of cheese. I love this topic. It's a one-time only segment, the bee's knees of cheese. Yeah. But so, and I agree because I've always 
had a sense that cheese is uh, a guilty pleasure. It's like mm. in the same realm as chocolate, essentially, mm. right? Like it's something you should have in moderation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something that we have been taught in society, mm. particularly the low fat era was a time where we mm. started to Good fats, bad fats. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. get worried about cheese. Yeah. Um, low fat variety started to come out. That was... Yeah, and what's been recently released by the Heart Foundation is their new recommendation that actually endorses the use of full cream dairy unless there is a pre-existing cardiovascular disease or elevated cholesterol level. I'm going to celebrate that one. Because yes. how much better is full cream so cheese than live cheese? And, and full cream else. milk. Yeah, well, I don't know about yeah, that. I know you don't like yeah, it, but I'm a big full cream milk big fan. fan. Big yeah. fan. And so we've got a few favourites when it comes to cheese mm. because there are certain – Types and varieties that actually are quite health promoting for different reasons. Um, and we're going to give you each of our favorites. So, my favorite cheese, probably of the moment, it might change again in a couple of weeks <laughs> as I uh, rotate, is actually goat's cheese. Firstly, I love the taste, uh, very strong flavor, amazing in a frittata or a salad, or just spread thickly on some sort of any vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but what we know about goat's cheese is there's actually a higher level of medium chain triglycerides compared to cow's dairy, which has been shown to be potentially better for our weight and cholesterol management, as well as our brain function and our blood sugar control. So goat's cheese is actually potentially also more anti-inflammatory than cow's milk dairy, which is exciting um it's also lower in lactose so for people and this perhaps is why i like it i used to be lactose intolerant mm. when i was a kid i think i've still got a little element of that um very suitable for those with lactose intolerance particularly if you're not having massive doses and the other thing about cow's dairy is that it's um high in a2 proteins and you might have heard of a2 milk before yeah. Yep. Yeah, and the A2 proteins for some humans are easier to, to, easier to digest than the A1 proteins. Um, and the A1's generally found in cow's dairy unless you get an A2 variety. And that's what's been potentially linked to those lower inflammatory markers in the body with cow's dairy. So potentially good news for reducing our risk of certain chronic diseases. Okay, so goat's cheese gets the tick, which is also known as feta. For those playing, well, yeah, yeah. So you can get cows or goats, goats feta. Right. Um, little plug, Meredith do a lovely little block of goats cheese. Mm-hmm. They do some in oil, but I actually love the one on its own. It's mm. really I rich. Seen the one on its own. I've it's only in seen my fridge. I'll show you yeah. after. It's delicious. <laughs> That's my favourite one as well. <laughs> okay. um, but the other really useful thing about. Um, some goat's cheese is that it's fermented and the fermentation process means that it becomes rich in some of those probiotic bacteria. I can't remember the episode, but two, three or four in there somewhere. Yeah, episode three. Yeah, yeah. Episode three yeah all about our gut. Three pro, yeah. good. And so yeah. we can get some benefits for our gut health as well. And uh, Elise, your favourite cheese? So this was a really, really hard question for me to answer. She changed answer. her mind like six times. I know, I can literally <laughs> kept writing a different cheese in there. So I actually thought I'd just list them all. So look, you can put me in front of a cheese platter and any of my friends or family can attest for this. Loz, you can too. All self-control goes out the window. Her eyes are <laughs> fierce. It's quite sad, actually. Um, so, look, I've got to say that one of my favourites is definitely the goat's cheese that is on our dinner table 
every single night um, to add to salads or vegetable dishes. I'm also a big fan of Jarlsberg. Mm, okay. Unsung you, hero of cheeses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it doesn't really get enough credit. No, it's good. And um, I've got to say I love parmesan as well. Really, mm. I feel like parmesan goes with every single meal. There's there's not there's nothing parmesan doesn't go with. You can put it with pasta. You can put it with salad. So can, can you hear you her can love right now? I can think of so many things you can't put parmesan yeah. with. I feel like you can put it with anything. Cereal. She's blinded. I, 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 I know. Probably, I'm thinking like chocolate cereal. cake with parmesan. Elise, keep it together over there. I probably would. <laughs> Uh, okay, that's so you've you've gone with all cheeses. <laughs> well, I think parmesan is a really good one to highlight yeah, because yeah. parmesan's got a really really intense flavour, similar to goat's cheese, but mm, as a sharp, hard cheese, right? really yeah. sharp. Which, yeah. from a nutritional point of view, actually means you don't need as much of it to flavour your dish. Mm. So if you were to Unless imagine, you're an addict like me. Yeah. <laughs> if you were picturing, let's say, a bowl of bolognese, pasta bolognese, mm. if you were to try and flavour your bolognese with parmesan versus, say, cheddar. a mozzarella or a mm. cheddar, you don't need as much from parmesan. So nutritionally, we can actually get benefit from a really sharp, bitey cheese because we use a little bit less of it. Um, it's also really rich in calcium and phosphorus, which is important for our bone health. And similar to goat's cheese, it's quite low in lactose. So... Um, as a hard cheese, many hard cheeses are, but as a hard cheese, it means that those with lactose intolerance can generally tolerate pretty decent loads of it without causing any GI upset. Woo! <laughs> now, uh, I understand that cheese is quite dense in the calories, though. So, mm. do you have to be careful? Because I, yeah. I've round cheese myself. I'll just just eat it. It just like disappears, evaporates, right? <laughs> as <laughs> if by yeah. magic. Yeah, right. We should yeah. have a cheese platter eat off during me and you. you guys would Undefeated. cause a stir. I'll right. film it. I'll film it for the community. Um, but yeah, it is energy dense and that's yeah, why we tend to like those with really sharp, satisfying flavour so you don't yeah. have to have loads of it. But it's kind of one exception though mm. and one of our kind of key players and honourable mention in the cheese category is ricotta, which is got about half the caloric load per gram as a lot of our other cheeses mm. have. Mm-hmm. So it's a lower energy uh, and lower fat, <coughs> also lower protein um, per gram, but decent dose of calcium. So ricotta is a really good option if you're wanting to not have to restrict how much you have so much. Um, but as you can picture, it's not as flavoursome, not as melt in your mouth, uh, and that's related to its nutritional composition as well. Okay, and uh, some other mentions here, mozzarella and blue cheese. Yeah. Yep. So mozzarella's got quite a high moisture content, which means that because there's more water, it's diluting the other things, so it's less energy dense. So if you can, ima- if you were to picture parmesan and mozza- mozzarella, right? Mm. Parmesan is denser in all the nutrients, mm-hmm. and you can tell that from its flavour, mm. where mozzarella's got a higher water content, so it's a bit more dilute yeah um what that means is that you often need more mozzarella than parmesan but mozzarella melts a lot nicer um and it's got a milder flavor and, and mozzarella is rare to see on a cheese board right like it's more yeah. on, on a pizza yeah, it melts, something, right? yeah. Yeah. It melts right yeah and, and it's also quite say salad mm. <laughs> mm. 
We've lost her. She's daydreaming. <laughs> and you've got blue cheese here as well. Is there any similar to the feta cheese fermentation? Because it might have seen blue cheese is just moldy cheese, right? Is that the same? <laughs> is that the same process? Yeah. yeah. So the mold it means it's cured. So there's um, it's not necessarily bacteria. It's more a mold, mm-hmm. but um, in a very safe, <coughs> preserved way. Yep. Um, but we like blue cheese predominantly just because of its high calcium content. So good for our bones. It's also um, a decent source of vitamin K2, mm. which we've spoken about before because the vitamin K2 helps to direct the calcium from our arteries where it can potentially build up as plaque, actually to direct it to our bones where it can uh, enhance our bone mineral density. So blue cheese's vitamin K2 and calcium content combined gets it on the list. I never quite developed that same passion for blue it's cheese. Tough, isn't it? You're She's either all back. in, you're either all in on blue cheese, or you're just like, no, no, I, I can't. I actually <laughs> yeah. can't do it. Like, yeah. even if someone has cut another cheese with the same knife oh, as the blue really? cheese, and I oh. taste it a little bit, I'm quite sure I've done that to you before. Yeah, well, yeah. really sorry historically. That's okay. All the times I've done that to your cheese platter. Lucky, I love you. <laughs> uh, any cheeses we should avoid. Look, there's no cheeses that we would what say about to avoid. Singles. Oh. <laughs> would you call that cheese? Well, it's, it's, in there. it's just call the cheese. I think it's in yeah. the cheese. Yeah, yeah. Kind of it's been wrapped in plastic. Yeah. No, yeah. I think yeah. when it comes to cheese, what we would encourage is to have a small amount of the real thing. Okay, right. Yeah. So once again, little little amount of processing you can get away with. Yeah, you know, cheese obviously yeah. processed. Yeah, avoid the processing yeah. Yeah. and make it something that you're actually going to enjoy and savor it. Mm. So, like Elise, get mesmerized by that cheese platter, <laughs> lose yourself mm-hmm. in the glory that is that real wholesome cheese that makes you feel amazing. Mm-hmm. Know your limits, know when to stop, but enjoy it for what it is, uh, rather than going for potentially a light or a less satisfying version and just feeling a bit half about it. Mm. Permission to move to a cheese board for everyone who's listening. And if you do want uh, all the rundown, there's a little table here. Like there's a few different things that will be on the yeah, website. Yeah, I'm all about the data and the yeah. science. So yeah, yeah. there is a blog on our website mm-hmm. um, that will give you all the info, the nutritional composition of our favourite cheeses. So jump on there, have a look. If you've got any questions, sing out. In other news, I heard this week that BMI is being thrown out as the uh, the way to weigh yourself. And mm. I always understood it as like a universal way to measure like, you know, Africa versus America mm. in, in mm. obesity or whatever it might be because it's a very basic calculation. Very yeah. basic. And uh, there's a ton of different ways to, to measure your weight. And mm. I think weight is a really great way for people to, un- to identify, am I overweight or am I underweight? Mm. But then- you know, there's so I've, much. I've more got to special it. scales so that give me body mm, fat yeah. and a thing, and I'm tall and uh, break it down. What's going on here? <laughs> well, I often, w- when a conversation comes up about weight, I often ask a question, and I'm going to ask it of you, Drew. Mm. What is the number on your letterbox? Uh, one. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, if I know that number is one, mm. can I find where you live? No. 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 Out of context, the number one doesn't paint enough of a picture about you and where you live for me to actually find you. No. Similar story, if you get a number from a scale, if you measure your weight and Mm. you see what that number is, Mm. out of context without a bigger picture and more information, that number doesn't tell you much at all. Right. And it's very important that we appreciate the limitations to weight as a measure of an individual's health status. 
because it can fluctuate so much, yeah. right? So, so I, I, I watch a bit of UFC and boxing and um, those guys can lose like 20 pounds in a week, mm-hmm. you know. I'm like, well, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Sit in a sauna for a bloody week. And that's because there's so much to do. You probably could if you did what they were doing, Drew. Right, and that's because so much to do with like water and water retention yeah, and salt hormones. and use hormones so and much. you store carbohydrates as water, right? So if you're low carb, well, with, like, water. with water, yeah. right, you have to distribute it. Mm. So, so, but we've all been told, um, you know, the scales are in the bathroom, right? You walk mm. in there, they're at the mm. gym, you weigh yourself. Where's this come from? why we've got this like real, you know, just yeah. devotion to knowing how much I weigh. And I don't know if I can necessarily answer where it's <clears> come from, but I think what a lot of people are surprised to, to hear and see when they learn about Elise <clears> and our practice is that, yes, we're dietitians. Yes, we've got a clinic, multiple rooms where people will come and have a conversation with us about their nutrition and their health. We also own scales. We absolutely own scales, mm-hmm. but we rarely use them. Okay. So what? Um, why? Why do you take that position? Is it like is it a psychological thing? You're attaching yourself to this number too much. You're trying to move this number down where you might be doing it in a healthy way. Mm, is yeah. It, yeah, yeah. To some extent, yeah. and that can certainly be a very key player. But mm. we know that there's more to weight than BMI. Mm. Uh, so more, more to health, health than, than weight, weight and BMI. Right. Yeah, and body composition is far more complex than that number or mm. your number in relation to your height. Mm-hmm. And there is a key difference between being motivated and Certainly weighing yourself in some studies has been a motivating factor, but it can also be an obsessive factor and something that you stress and worry about day to day or hour to hour when change doesn't happen that quickly. And I've got some clients that will weigh themselves every single morning and whatever they see, whatever that number is in the morning will depict how they're going to feel for the rest of the day. Mm. So it can set them up for a great day or a really terrible day, mm. which is really sad. And if that's how you're waking up, it puts a lot of pressure on yourself to actually feel good and achieve your health goals if your mindset is in that negative space. Okay, so so let's assume that I'm weighing myself with a positive intent. I'm yep. trying to lose weight, maybe put weight on, mm-hmm. put some size on in the gym, wherever it might be. Yep. What should I, if that's where I'm starting, I mm. want to get healthier, what should I be doing instead of weighing myself? Is there a better way to manage that that intent? Yeah, so there's many ways we can look at that intent and some very basic measures might be actually thinking about how your clothing fits. <clears throat> yeah, the pants don't lie, unfortunately, do they? <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. Yep. But, or belt. And, and yeah. actually looking at, at your body more holistically, if it's body composition chains that you're after, potentially a photo might actually be more useful than a number on a scale. Waist circumference and measurements can also yep. be really mm. motivating. And as well, what we know is also how you feel. Are you feeling more energized? Are you feeling stronger? That's often a really good way to judge how, how you're progressing with mm. your nutritional exercise regime. And mid-upper mm. arm circumference is one that's perhaps mm. not used as often and a good p- predictor of muscle mass as mm. well as um, fat mass. And that's something we forget is everybody knows that muscle weighs more than fat. Yeah, yes. still get everybody knows up that. And bones and yeah, but everyone right, gets yeah. on the scale and if it's not going down, mm. they're stressed out. Mm. Yet they might be lifting more weight at the gym mm. and, like Ali said, feeling stronger, have more definition and tone. Mm. And so, but the scales are the same. The scales are the same. But measurements like a mid-upper arm or a waist-hip ratio can be useful. Uh, if they want to be more scientific, there is um, the 
body the skin fold oh, test is that a thing? Yeah, but that's no still good. that's still like not it. that's still not a great so measure. So hard to do. Really, yeah. you have to be specifically trained to mm. be able to take those um, measurements. And as well, what we know through the data is that those measurements will be taken differently from investigator to investigator. When I was at uni, we actually did a whole subject on, it's called anthropometric measurements, Mm -hmm. so measuring your body composition. And as a class, we all did skin folds on each other. And we measured the variability between different measurers, even ourselves. So we would have to take three of the same measure at the same time. They were vastly different. Mm -hmm. And so there's so much variation What's also really important to know is even the most gold standard measures of body composition. So things like the DEXA scan. So using really um, high level equipment, X-ray absorptiometry. It's the one where you sit in the egg or something. It's like an egg you sit in. Yeah, it looks like a... um, Like an egg. I was going to say a coffin. (laughs) Like a float tank. No, it's different to a float tank. It's more like a... um, like a full body scan. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yep. Yep. And it gives you bone and body fat and yeah. yeah yep, so your yep. bone density, your muscle mass, your fat mass. Mm-hmm. But what Elise and I actually recently we went to a, a study day on mm-hmm. body composition and there was lots of amazing conversation amongst all the scientists in the room because so many of the predictive equations and data that have been <clears> used to create those <clears> normalized values from a DEXA scan. Really, really old. Oh, really? That's mm. annoying. Like really old, and but it's the best we've got. What, yeah. what about uh, body fat? Because I've got these like scales at the gym. I've got to hold yeah. on to some handles. <laughs> Look, we've yes, actually used a, them. We've actually yeah. used them at work. I think yeah. they're, they're called a BIA. Some of that, um, yeah, that's scale. right. Yeah, so yeah. biometric, biometric yeah, like, uh, electrical thing through your body, wherever it might be. Yeah. yeah. We, look, we. We were seeing really varied results mm. from from week to week for a lot of our patients, and what again, what we found is that this num patients were being almost obsessive with this mm. number mm. that wasn't even really giving them a true, accurate picture of what was actually happening. Right. So we were seeing patients lose weight but gain muscle mass, and vice versa. Which which look could happen, but in this particular population group mm. that we were looking at. The results were unlikely. They were inaccurate. Yeah, the BIA scale is is well established at a population level, but we know there's so much individual variance. And so it's hard to rely on that. And what what really disappoints us is when someone's doing, say, a before and after BIA and they've busted their ass at the gym, they're working really hard, eating beautifully, and they don't get the result from the scale that they want. Yet, really looking at them, they they're looking and feeling amazing. Mm. What a shame that that's that, so demotivating that those statistics and that data isn't supporting that positivity. So I don't weigh myself. I don't know what I weigh right now. I have no idea. I can't mm. remember the last yeah. time I weighed myself. I weighed myself this morning. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we might need to chat a bit later, Drew. No, there's and there's no reason with doing totally. it. Yeah particularly if it's not impacting on your mindset around your health and your nutrition. I, I like it like experimenting because I go, I drink one beer, next morning I'm up two kilos because I know it's inflammation and, and water retention mm. and everything. I was like, wow, that's interesting, isn't it? So you see, you're, you're doing it with curiosity yeah. and yeah, that yeah. is so beautiful. Yeah. But if you were doing it and then feeling horrid about it, mm. that's a completely <clears throat> different story. Okay, so I'm, I'm trying to lose weight. What should I do? Like how, how should I – because you, you want to – Humans need goals, right? They want weekly goals, yeah. 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 So I think there's a few things to factor in. Mm. I think 
firstly, we want we'd want you to write down actually how you feel in your clothes, mm-hmm. how you feel in your body, even if it's four descriptive words. It might be you might be someone who would be open to taking some <coughs> photos mm. to explore how your body transitions. Not mm-hmm. to put them online, just oh, for your own for progress. You. They yeah. go nowhere. Make sure you're frowning at terrible lighting. <laughs> <laughs> no, no tan and then, allowed. And then, get a tan, and then get a tan and be smiling. Like oh, all the before the, yeah, and yeah. afters online. Are sh- oh, I know. So funny, I'm cringeworthy. Okay. I, I like the um, measurements. The, yeah, the measurements yep. one I use a lot because like yep. my waist it doesn't lie right. It is yeah. what it is. Yep. And yep. again, there's variation in the measurement points, mm. so. Again, Elise and I are trained in actually how to take like those measurements realistically. Yeah, 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 and yeah. there's actually an, a scientific way to measure between your, your hip bone and the bottom of your ribs and you mm. find the midpoint. Sure. But for the general population, we say keep the spot consistent. Okay. So right. belly button is a good yep. place. Or just and maybe if you wear a belt everywhere, your belt loop's getting yeah, smaller. That's a great, be, that's yep, a great way yep. to, to tell how you're progressing. But you need to, well, I would encourage you to write it down at the start. Right. So that then there's Get a comparison a point. point to write yeah. it down at the end. Because okay. a feeling is different to actual information that you've recorded. Okay. So go with physiological changes rather mm. than a f- numerical representation mm. of what's really going on. Because that okay. will vary. Or mm. don't use the daily. number alone. Don't, because yeah. the number alone is not going to tell you where you live. Right. So it could be um, if I'm trying to put on size, it could be like I lifting heavier weights. Yeah. And, I, and just go for that instead yeah. of... Yeah. Okay. Yep. Or I'm running further. Yes. Um, or I can complete a workout at the gym, you know, feeling great instead right. of exhausted. There's yep. some really good measures to help track how you're progressing. Okay. All right. Now, I'm shipping these things on the website about all this stuff. Yes. Yeah. So, we've yep. written um, an article around why weight isn't necessarily a great depictor mm. of our health. Mm-hmm. And so, if you are interested in more information, jump on there. There's some references to have a look at. Mm-hmm. Or if you're unsure, if you actually just want to reach out to us with anything that's concerning you, please feel free. Um, Our email and contact details are on our website, so don't hesitate. Yes. Plenty of questions there that you could ask about all our three topics today. So greens, cheese, and whether you weigh yourself or not. Um, We've got some really cool stuff coming up next week, though. So keep your questions coming in and um, we'll bring another show next week. Thanks so much. Thank you. And that's all we have time for this week. Thanks for listening in and we hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you drop by and say hi on the Encore Nutrition website, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Just search Encore Nutrition. We absolutely want to hear from you and encourage everyone to join in on the conversation. Now, it's important to say that while Lauren and Elise are very knowledgeable on the world of diet and nutrition, we always encourage you to speak with your medical expert to assure that the advice is right for you. And we'll be back next week to break down all things food, diet, nutrition, and lifestyle from Elise and Lauren and me here just to make sure it all makes sense.